We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. On Make It You, we make good food and cocktails too. I'm here for you to make it cute. Yeah, make it cute. Oh, me and you. Welcome back to another episode of Make It Cute. I am so, so excited for this episode for a multitude of reasons, but I think the thing that I'm most excited about is the fact that you're joining us for another episode. And yes, I said us because it's not just me. I am on with one of my favorite people on TikTok. I want to introduce her at the start. So without further ado, let me introduce a fellow TikToker a recipe developer, Justine. Hi, Justine. Hello. Thank you for that awesome intro. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm so happy to have you on here. I actually just want to like fangirl about you a little bit because funny thing is Justine and I followed each other back when each of us had, I would say like less than 10,000 followers, right? I think you it was live where you had just hit like 15K and I had like nothing, like maybe 7K. Yeah, so it's like one of those things that we've been following each other very early in our TikTok careers. Because I remember I hit 15K off of maybe like one video. It was like a day where one of my videos went viral and it just kept gaining and gaining and more people just kept influxing. And then I remember Justine was on my live, like she mentioned. And then I went back to my For You page and I think you posted maybe a cookie recipe or maybe it was your Pop-Tarts recipe. One of your videos ended up getting viral, like I think maybe like a day or so after that, right? Yeah, that was like right when I started actually getting videos that like did well. Um, But I don't know if you remember the question I asked you on your live, which I always think is so funny, um, where I asked you about your skincare routine. (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> Funny thing is, I I do remember that in some capacity, but also I'm like, am I confusing it with after I actually posted my skincare routine and I remember you commenting about it? So I'm like, do I actually remember it or do I remember that following interaction? The only, um, but- reason, <laughs> the only reason I remember it is because I was so embarrassed because you off that live came over to one of my videos and commented and was like, this is your content. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, he's going to think I'm like this crazy like skincare routine enthusiast person who's just like harassing him on his lives. Um, so oh, I was really concerned. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It, the The way that the comment was supposed to read is, oh my God, this is your content. Like, this is so good. Like, that's <laughs> why I commented that because I was like, oh my God, this recipe looks so good. This looks amazing. I remember I immediately followed you 
Because I, re- I mean, here's the thing. I recognized your username from my live previously, but then I was like, okay, wow, this is your content that you're posting. This is amazing. So, yeah, that's how the con- that's how the comment read in my head. But <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that we're talking about it. So then you know the, the yeah, true intent behind it. Clearing the air, and here we are today. It's a love story for the TikTok history books. One hundred percent. I think that for me, like one. One thing that I always look forward to is whenever you post, I think it's just like such a highlight because your your videos are always so high quality and just like so just like mesmerizing. Like the fact that you do do uh, videos that have like, you know, are made for different diets, like whether it is vegan or vegetarian. And I, I think you're a pescatarian yourself. So like doing things that are made for maybe outside of your normal eating habit, I think that's just like amazing. And that's one thing that I really like because I like to eat like a good amount of my meals plant-based. So like having another source of inspiration and also just watching each other grow and just being able to support each other has just been like one of my favorite parts of my TikTok journey. Yeah, I agree. And also you saying that really means a lot because I feel like, and I don't know if you feel the same way, as a creator, you can like get in your head a lot and like get too close to the stuff you're putting out and like doubt everything. Um, so it's just mm. nice hearing that you think that I really, um, it means a lot. And I'm glad we could kind of like start TikTok together and kind of work our way up together, which is kind of cool. Yeah, 100%. And I definitely resonate with kind of getting into the content, getting into the numbers. Like it, it it's honestly sometimes consuming. So I, that definitely resonates with me. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about the algorithm, but people don't need to hear that because that is just a rabbit hole we don't want to go down. Definitely. But a rabbit hole that I think we do want to go down is the topic of today's episode, which is going to be millennial aesthetics, millennial stereotypes, um, which is actually it was Justine's idea. And Justine, do you want to talk a little bit about like what kind of inspired this topic? Um, Yeah, I'm so excited because this was my idea because I feel like I identify very strongly as a millennial. I'm 26, um, which is just now starting to make me feel really old. But I'm really into like the millennial aesthetic. I love millennial pink. I want to be buried under a pile of avocado toast. Yet I'm seeing like all this millennial hate online. Um, So I kind of wanted to dive in and like break down the millennial stereotypes and like talk it out and see if any of them are like if what I can like categorize as true versus not. I don't know. How do you feel about like the millennial stereotype? So (laughs) up until very recently, I would say probably like maybe like two or three years ago, I exclusively identified as millennial. I did not want to be considered part of Gen Z at all. What I've come to learn and what I've come to self-identify as is a millennial Gen Z cusp. Um, I mean, we have cusps and like zodiac signs and horoscopes. So you know what? I'm inventing a cusp for um, (laughs) your like birth year and all that. But I definitely understand that because whenever I was growing up, I felt like all I saw were millennials are killing the housing market. Why aren't millennials buying diamonds? Why are all millennials poor? Why are millennials afraid of authority? Like it was just all of these industries that millennials were killing and just so much hate towards 
why do millennials spend so much on avocado toast? Like the amount of times I saw that headline and no, it wasn't just on the onion. It was like on the New York post. Like the amount of times I saw that headline on like a credible source was just baffling. So I definitely understand the millennial hate from other generations. And now we have the younger Gen Z calling millennials old. And then you still have like the boomers who are calling millennials like, Oh, you don't know what you're doing, but here's the thing. Millennials are into their thirties. Like some of them are well into their thirties at this point. So it's really interesting to see this dynamic still happening. Yeah. And I feel like it's getting like hate from both sides. Like the boomers are like, you guys are irresponsible. And then Gen Z's like, you guys are also irresponsible, but in the opposite way. And then I saw somebody hating on how millennials are really into Harry Potter and their Harry Potter houses. And I was like, this is too much. We've gone too far. The millennial hate or the millennial stereotypes have to stop. Although I am a Hufflepuff and I'm very dedicated to my house. Just saying. Okay. I had to ask, um, don't, don't hang up the, the call. Um, I'm a Slytherin. Um, but we're not all evil despite popular belief, but yes, that is what my Pottermore test tells me. (laughs) But it's not all about the test. It's about like what you feel. Do you also self-identify as Slytherin? Cause that changes the game. I do. Um, I, I do. And the thing is when you think about the characteristics of a Slytherin, right, it's kind of like witty, cunning, fast on their feet, um, like usually kind of like, I, I feel like those are just like a couple adjectives that I can like, you know, pull out of a hat, not the sorting hat, but out of a general hat about that. Um, yeah. Like strategic and like tactical. I feel like that's all the also like Slytherin vibes. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, I'm a huge planner. I plan pretty much every moment, every day, every life event that I could potentially plan. And I'm very just much about strategy and just like kind of order and just kind of like, maintaining order which i feel like is also a slytherin trait like the gryffindors are all kind of like look at me i'm supposed to be brave and like brazen and like kind of like the shaker and mover and like the creative source but like for me as a slytherin i'm kind of like i like order i like strategy and yeah that that's my that's my piece so what characters of a hufflepuff do you feel like you kind of identify with um i've always and this is not like outlined in the books at all i just like kind of take it from luna lovegood vibes but i've always identified hufflepuffs as like very bubbly and kind of like all over the place and i i identify with that and then i also identify with the um i forgot what book it was in but there was a book where they like do a limerick about all the houses that was written when Hogwarts was founded. And it was like Hufflepuff said she'd take all the rest um, where like every other house head wants like a specific type of person and Hufflepuff's like, I don't care. I love that because I also feel like they're, I'm just like an all over the place kind of person. Like we were talking about Zodiac. I'm a Gemini, which also makes me feel like that's pretty accurate. Cause I'm just, I feel like I can't be like put into one group of something. Although growing up, everybody pegged me for Ravenclaw, which I wouldn't hate. I just feel more Hufflepuff. Fair, fair. And also the fact that you're a Gemini, like that kind of like, you know, not feeling like, you know, one place, like the twin sign. I definitely understand that. Um, I'm happy that you're 
<laughs> a female Ravenclaw because like, or, I mean a female uh, Gemini because sometimes male Geminis, they scare me a little bit and you never know which personality you're going to get with them. So, um, mm-hmm. and I've said this multiple times and if you are a male Gemini listening, I'm very sorry. I don't know which one of your personalities I'm apologizing, apologizing <laughs> to, but I'm apologizing to you. Um, but I'm, I'm a Pisces. So um, nice. yeah. Being a Pisces and a Slytherin, it's kind of like an internal battle, I guess. But also my rising sign is a Virgo, which I feel like a lot of Virgos are slithering. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it, it ends up balancing out. Um, and Harry Potter definitely <laughs> is a millennial stereotype, 100%. I was going to say, but- only we could combine the Zodiac and Harry Potter while talking about millennial stereotypes. <laughs> oh, 100%. Like that is such a millennial thing. Like being able to kind of flawlessly bob and weave between topics and at kind of like the drop of a hat, not a sorting hat, but just a regular hat. Um, <laughs> I made that joke earlier, but it kind of slid under the radar and I was just like, I, I giggled at myself. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. And we do actually have some stereotypes in front of us, right? Yes. Um, which article do you want to go to first? Cause I'm excited about both of them. Uh, let's start out with the BuzzFeed one. I, I'm feeling that right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we can just kind of like pop back and forth between the two. So the premise of this quiz, what's the premise of this quiz? The premise of this quiz is, are these 11 millennial stereotypes actually true? So essentially, it wants to test us as millennials and see if we actually are like millennials or if we kind of like fit into these stereotypes that people have about us um it looks like from the picture of the person who wrote it it looks like they're a millennial themselves so i'm assuming that they look to other sources to see like what those millennial stereotypes are but um essentially there's just so many stereotypes about us as millennials and we just kind of want to see like if the general consensus of millennials is to fall within it or not Okay, I'm so excited. Do you want to like answer the question ourselves first or just like go through it? Yes, 100%. We'll answer the question and then we can just click on one of the results and it'll show us like kind of the mass results and we can see if we're on the majority or the minority. And then we can really just like check out to see whether we kind of fit that millennial, you know, stereotype or not. I got you. I'm ready. Okay. Amazing. So the first stereotype that we want to talk about is millennials don't want to settle down and get married. And then the question says, what are your thoughts on marriage? There's only two answers and there's no like kind of like gray area. So it's either I want it or not for me. So Justine, you're the guest. I'll let you answer first. Oh, I don't. Okay. Mm, I think I want it. I think I want it. I'm not sure. Fair. Fair enough. Um, I'm also in the same boat. I think growing up, the idea of marriage is always something that was like appealing to me, like, you know, spending the rest of your life with someone and like, you know, all that jazz. But it's like, do you have to be married to do that? No. But like, you know, I I feel like I more so think about what I want my wedding to look like rather than the marriage itself. I was just and about I, to I, say the exact same thing. I know my wedding to like the detail. Okay, wait, you have to, for the listeners, you have to give us a little bit of the scoop. Okay, this is like 
a very New York, Brooklyn specific style of wedding um, based. So it's like only formulated in my head from like the area that I lived from age like 22 to 25. So have you been to Roberta's in Bushwick? Absolutely. Pizza, right? Yeah. And they have this big backyard that they can turn into the most gorgeous wedding venue. So the whole like dream was like a rooftop in Williamsburg, super small, like 50 to 60 people. Um, rooftop ceremony, very romantic. And then um, just a banger party at Roberta's with like, I don't want to sound like just like very earthy vibes, like very chill, very like fresh, clean. I have I have this um, dress that's like navy that I wear all the time, but I already know that I'm just going to send it to a dress shop to get custom made in like white silk. So like super simple. I just, I have, it's all in my brain i have a vision um but i don't know if i want to get married so i should probably figure that part out first right it's like can you have a wedding but not actually like have the marriage part after like because i i definitely agree like i i have my wedding basically planned down to the detail um and since i made you share i'll share as well okay good (laughs) i want to know um so, and most of my friends who've actually talked to me as recent uh, know this because I was just, funny thing is I was just talking weddings just a couple weeks ago with a, a friend of mine. And funny thing is I'm single. So like, you know, for me to have my wedding already planned out, I, I feel like that speaks volumes. Um, no, so fine. You just need to find a man who fits the wedding. It's like a good framework to have. 100%. So what I want my wedding to be is a destination wedding in Santorini. Um, and... I already have my colors picked out. I started looking at venues and I'm like, listen, I will marry myself if I have to. But I, the idea of a destination wedding just is really appealing to me because I would love to do a honeymoon in like the Maldives. Oh, damn, um, that's amazing. So it's like, I want my wedding to already be like adjacent to my honeymoon site. And yeah, it's that, that's pretty much what I want. <laughs> I love that. And the uh, the Maldives are like my bucket list because it takes forever to get out there. So I want to like go out there for like weeks, you know, I feel like that's like a perfect honeymoon spot. 100%. And it's like, I don't know if it's like partially like Instagram telling me I should go because like every travel page you follow like has it on there. Mm -hmm. Or if it's like truly like, honestly, I'm a water sign. So just like being the idea of being in like kind of like a cabana surrounded by water just is really appealing to me. I love, yeah, that's perfect. I love that. Yeah, so that, that's, oh, wait, we have to uh, look to see what the stereotype is. Yeah, um, I cheated. So <laughs> you cheated. So it looks like 74 people, uh, 74%, oh, goodness, it's been a long day. 74% of uh, millennials want it, which is like, opposite of what the stereotype perpetuates right yeah and also though that would kind of like i feel like 74 percent versus 26 is kind of just like the general population's opinion i don't feel it like is specific to one specific age group so i feel like this is yeah. debunked the stereotype already fair they should make you enter like your driver's license number or something like, yeah, when, you, need, like when you start this we need to verify this information buzzfeed <laughs> Right, because like they're they're telling me that a hundred and nineteen thousand millennials participated in this. Mm. Mm. I'm pretty sure yeah. we might have some some boomers snuck into those numbers. Yeah, without a doubt. 
<laughs> so, Justine, would you like to read off the second stereotype for us? Yes. So, number two is that millennials can't afford to buy homes. Asking, could you afford to buy your own home? Um, I am at, okay, funny story about this. I almost bought my bought an apartment before the pandemic, but I would have had like financing help. It was, it was a weird time. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go to Lowell. No, I cannot responsibly, um, and confidently buy an apartment in New York city at this time. I definitely understand that. We live in a very expensive place. Also, funny thing is Justine and I, we're like practically neighbors. We live like 20 minutes away from each other, which is so funny. Um, and I also could not afford to buy an apartment in New York city. Um, so I'm also going lol. No, um, I'm 23 years old. I am going out of my, I'm going on my second year of being out of college. So I'd be very impressed by myself. Um, if I could afford to buy a home at this point by myself, but again, you know, I'm painfully single, happily single. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to say for 23, that's like, that shouldn't even be on your radar. I feel like it's a little bit more embarrassing for me at 26. I, it's like, it's like, you can have the savings, but it's you don't want to pour all your savings into one asset anymore, like right now, you know, when renting gives so much more flexibility. So I think that is where like the millennial stereotype is true. Since we are settling down later in life and we are having kids later in life, we like kind of want that renter's flexibility into like maybe our like early 30s even, you know? I agree. I agree. And then also, I don't know if it's on this list or if it's on – um the other list that we're talking about, but there, there's a stereotype about millennials wanting to like, when they finally buy a home to buy kind of like their dream home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm definitely kind of like on the same, the same page as that of whenever I do buy a house, I, I really would like to buy a house kind of once and call it a day rather than to, um, have to buy multiple times i agree because it's like buying moving and then like all the things that go into buying and all the stress like i don't think i'd be able to do it more than a couple of times yeah 100 percent. like i understand like maybe like buying like a retirement home like later in life um but like for the moment i'm like yep home is not in the cards for me like at this moment <laughs> so uh, let's check out these results. Oh, there's a cool little view results button. I don't even have to answer. Oh, so okay. us, like the other millennials, most of us are are poor and we can't afford to buy homes. So um, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It look. I kind of want to like sum this up and see if people actually answered the entire quiz or if it gets less than more questions you go down because it looks like less people answered that, but that also could just be like my brain <laughs> messing with me. Interesting. Yeah. I, I could see people quitting halfway through. Buzzfeed is not an exact science here. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, so the next question we have is millennials love their damn avocados. Yes. And oh, also this show is rated as explicit. So feel free to, you know, drop whatever words you the the spirit tells you to drop um okay Uh, (laughs) hell yes fuck yes yes oh yeah so (laughs) the question is do you like avocados and the question uh, there's i feel like there's an obvious answer unless you're kind of like a psychopath but um the answers are yes or no i mean i 
Yeah. I'm going to yeah. judge you so hard if you say no. I love avocados. Actually, one of my videos on TikTok was like my perfect avocado toast. Like, you know, like, and I, I know that you're a fan of your toast as well. So <laughs> yes, I, I stand a good toast. I loved your avocado toast because egg on top, everything but the bagel. It's just a classic. I eat like a, about a half an avocado a day. I'm a, I'm a healthy fats queen. And I don't think there's anything wrong with hating something delicious. Although I did not like, I did not try in good faith avocado until like college. Yeah. I feel like avocados really became kind of popular. I think I, I was a big avocado toast fan in high school. Um, my mom, she actually just is like a recent like convertee to avocados and now she loves it. Like she's like, Oh my God, what have I been doing for, I'm not going to expose my mom and how old she is. Cause (laughs) she'll, she'll probably hit me if she hears this, but, um, she's like, what have I been missing out on? And she's just like, I didn't want to try it at first because it's like kind of slimy. And I'm like, oh, I, I understand that. But at the same time, it's delicious. Yeah. Like, have you ever had yeah. a deep fried avocado? Oh my God. That sounds terrifyingly amazing. Okay. So it's like, no. it's like avocado tacos that where the avocado is like breaded in like panko and spices, deep fried. And then they put it in a taco with like crema, pico. It's so good. Um, Wait. Why do I feel like I've had like some type of crispy avocado? Now that you say that, I feel like I had some type of like fried avocado, but also like I could just be joking myself. I feel like fried. I think it might have been. I feel like avocado oh, no, fries. Oh, sesame crusted. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it was at um some some health restaurant in New York. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, although I feel like fried avocados are now turning into like bar food. Like I was at a bar a couple, well, months ago, haha, <laughs> COVID. Um, <laughs> and there was like fried avocados like on the bar snacks menu and it was the best. That sounds amazing. I am from Pittsburgh, so we love our pickles and fried pickles are like one of my favorite apps, oh which I know God. it's not avocado, but. No, I'm craving <laughs> fried pickles. Thanks for that. Honestly, I might have to bust out the air fryer after the, after we record this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so the next one is millennials find their dates online instead of in the real world is the stereotype. Um, how do you normally find your dates is the question, online versus real life. You go first. Um, I, I just don't date. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty happily single. Um, I have gone on dates. Like back in college, I went on some dates. Um, it was a good mix, actually. I would say 75% were like in real life, like someone who I knew like previous to the date and then you know i've done a couple tinder dates where i didn't know the person so Mm -hmm. um yeah like and it's not like i felt badly about them it's just that it's hard i feel like dating is a little bit easier when you do kind of have like a little bit of background on the person Mm -hmm. um and you know them by like association of a friend or you know class or something so it's kind of a mix uh, yeah. for me. What about you? Um, well, we're like I have a weird um, evolution of my dating life. So I didn't date at college in college at all, and then when I moved to New York, I literally knew new but knew nobody. So I kind of went ham on Tinder, just like get using boys really to show me the neighborhood and pay for my drinks essentially because I was also making twelve dollars an hour at the time, like no money. Um, so I had a 
wild time um, on the apps. Then like had a boyfriend for nine months, kind of like settled into that. And then when we broke up, I went back on the apps and I feel like just in that amount of time, like that year and a half, it just like totally changed from like, I had a great experience the first like four months that I was just using it. And then a horrible experience later. And so what I did was I was just like, a sum- that summer, I was like, screw this. I'm not doing apps. I'm going app free. And then like, and I don't know how, I think it was just like being more open and like going to bars and like talking to people, but I ended up dating four people at the same time, which ended very dramatically. Highly do not recommend. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then um, after that, like went up in flames, literally the week later, I le- I met my boyfriend who's now my boyfriend of three years. So um, started online, switched to real life and real life worked out pretty well. But I do have like one rant about like dating apps. I do feel like they've changed the brain, like how people think of meeting people. Like when I was app free, I was like, the world's my oyster. I can meet somebody at the grocery store. I can meet somebody at this networking event. I can meet someone at a bar. But I feel like more people are just more closed off because in their brain, it doesn't occur to them to be like looking to meet people when there's there's like an app for that. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, I would definitely say like, because the thing is, I have the apps on my phone. I just don't use them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I'm really bad about it. And I don't know if anyone who I've ever ghosted listens to my podcast, <laughs> but I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it wasn't intentional and it wasn't you. It was literally that I got bored with the app itself and I just never opened it again until like it was months later and I just had a message sitting there from you and I felt like it was inappropriate to reply. So um, listeners, if Miles go- has ghosted you, can you please write into their podcast email? Cause I need to know your story or DM me. Just let me know. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like I, cause I I'm curious. I don't really know what my listenership is comprised of. So um, <laughs> I'm very sorry about that. It wasn't <laughs> intentional. And like I said, like, and it, it wasn't you, it's me, like sounds so like fake, but honestly it literally wasn't you. Or I mean, it could have been you like, but, uh, most likely wasn't you. <laughs> and that's what's tricky um, is like the apps have kind of turned it into like a game almost where you like, yes, you see people as people, but it's also that pe- people are so easily accessible that. I don't know. I just feel like the stakes are lower and that is sometimes, sometimes tricky. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, <laughs> with, without a doubt. Anyway, if I'm just going to preach one message, I'm going to say it to the ladies. Challenge yourself if you're like, I know it's a pandemic, so it's different. But the best advice I ever got was like, men will get turned down and this is a stereotype because like gender is a construct and I could go into that. But like men at bars will get turned down like five times a night um, with zero fear. So if you're a girl, just like shoot your shot and aim to get turned down at least once every time you go out and it will change the game just in your like perspective. But that was the best advice I ever got. Honestly, whenever I go back out to the bar, I might have to start like coming out of my shell. I think one time, like one thing that made me come out of my shell a little bit more and like be like more social is I did a solo trip, which I feel I feel like solo traveling is also kind of millennial, but I don't think it's on either of the lists that we're talking about today. But um, 
I did a solo trip to Paris and the Barcelona and it's amazing how millennials now will connect with each other because like I ended up just hanging out with this total stranger the entire day. She was super cool, super nice. Um, we went to the beach and we went and got food and like we ended up going to dinner and drinks later that night. And we were just like, we're, we're still friends to this day. And it's just so crazy. Like if I was with just like my friends in my little bubble, I would have never thought to like, you know, branch out and like try to meet someone new and like try to like just be friendly. And next thing you know, you have like a new like friend. I guess. Yeah. That's so funny. I traveled alone in Paris um, and the same thing happened to me. And like, he just still follow, we still follow each other on Instagram. He watches the stories he supports. Um, Love that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's just like that cool casualness. I like it. Right. Honestly, solo traveling in Paris, best thing ever. It was amazing. I wish I was back there right now, but you know, COVID. (laughs) Ah, COVID. Um, Okay, I guess that kind of leads us a little bit into five, though, which is the stereotype that millennials are more focused on, like, their personal lives than their careers. So which one's more important to you? I feel like for me, at this point in my life, I am more focused on my career because I want to get myself set up to be able to enjoy my personal life more. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. Like, sometimes... It might be a little backwards, but for me, I'm like, okay, let me get my bag. Let me be financially stable. Let me excel at work, you know, work my way through like the ladder. I'm still young and I just came out of college too, where, you know, I was a complete degenerate in college. Um, So it's one of those things that I kind of like am in a weird cusp mode where I had so much fun, like my junior and senior year of college that now I'm a little tired. And I still make time for my friends. Like, I'm not, like, antisocial by any means. Like, I'm definitely an extrovert by nature and, like, textbook definition. But I do focus a little bit more on my career just to make sure that, you know, I'm setting myself up well for the future. Because, I don't know, like, we talked about age earlier, and I'm 23. And it's, like, at age 23, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be doing Um, cause it's like, you have some people who are like, you know, writing books and you have people who are buying houses and you have people who have kids and you have people who are like, just like excelling and whatever. And it's just like, when you're 23, it's just like, there's no kind of guideline for what you're supposed to be doing and how, like what, what a measure of success is. And I feel like my career is like, oh, well, I guess that's how I'll measure myself. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I was the exact same way. And I feel like that's where you have to put like horse blinders on compared to what everybody else is doing. Cause like everybody has different priorities, you know? So I feel like right now, like your career is just your priority. Yeah, 100%. So which, which one is more important to you? Um, I've always been very career oriented. I'm like a career girl. However, I am hoping to like pivot eventually. And that's where I'm like, TikTok's like confusing because it's like, do I just want to keep this my hobby or do I want to turn this into something more? So that's like, I've always known, like even as a kid that I just wanted to be like really career focused. And I think that's like what my parents instilled in me a bit too. So I think that's another area that it comes from. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, My mom was like, she didn't have me until she was 32. 
Oh, sorry, mom. Mm-hmm. I kind of just gave away your age a little bit if people do the math. But um, regardless, my mom like kind of you know got started with her career, went to law school, started her firm before she had me. So it was one of those things that I kind of saw the opportunities that she was afforded by starting that kind of personal life a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that's just like, you know, that I would like for myself too. Yeah. I'm really curious what the results are for this one. Have you clicked on it yet? I just did. Um, and it looks like more millennials are focused on their personal lives. So it looks like this stereotype, it does hold true. I'm um, surprised actually. Yeah. Same here. I mean, it, the results are actually a lot closer than some of the results that we've seen thus far. It's 61% voted for a fulfilling life outside of work and then 39% voted for a successful career. So we're actually a lot closer of a split than uh, most of the other ones where it was a little bit more polar before. Interesting. Huh. Um, yeah. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We took it all. 
brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to move on to the second one, but I don't want to like push. <laughs> oh, no, go. Let's do it. Um, okay, so then the sixth one, I can't believe we're only on six, is that millennials couldn't survive a day without their phones. What are your thoughts? Um, I could, but I would have to be in like the right environment. Um, and also I would have to have certain guarantees, which I know that's not possible. Like the reason why I feel like I'm not attached to my phone. Like I can definitely go hours with like turning my phone off and being like, don't, don't talk to me. Like don't reach me. But also it's just like, since I do live away from my parents and like my friends, like it's the way that if something was to happen, I have that immediate access and I feel like I would just be worrying all day. <laughs> like, and I know just like a day is just a day, but also I feel like I would just be like, what if something happens? What if they need me? I need to like be somewhat available. So um, I'm still going to go with actually, yes, I could survive a day without my phone, um, but I'd probably be a little stressed out. <laughs> yeah. And like we could survive. I think it's just like phones are such a tool and that this is such a stereotype. And honestly, I'm like, waiting for the day where I can completely unplug. I love the idea. I'm romanticizing this because I haven't had a true vacation in three years, but I love the idea of just like having a book, being somewhere or like even like just in my apartment with no responsibilities, no one to talk to. I, can you tell, is my introvertness showing? Um, <laughs> and just like not having to respond to anything all day. Like that is my dream but I like work in a pretty intense industry and like, I just, yeah, it's like, we're also social media people. So it's kind of just like, it's, it would be a huge inconvenience to have your phone taken away for a day. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like, and especially with, we're not going to get too into it, but like, it's like, if you're not consistent on social media, it punishes you Mm -hmm. for not being consistent. So it's Mm -hmm. just like one of those things that, Really, if you're like a person who posts like once a day or twice a day or once every couple of days, it's just like, can you really afford a day off? And then also like whenever you're a content creator and like a TikToker, there's trends that emerge every day, whether they like peak on that day, it's a different story. But like a, one of the goals, like when you're creating content on TikTok is to try and be early to the trend so you can like hopefully have a lot of exposure to your video when people are driven to that sound or that hashtag or whatever it may be. So yeah, it's one of those things that it's rare that we can really afford to take a a step away from our phone. Um, But would you like to tell us the results? Um, I'm surprised. Actually, no, this makes sense. 69% of people say they could survive a day without their phone and 31% say they could not, which, you know, that's fair. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I believe it. Um, I feel like the older generation especially always is really kind of critical about us being on our phones and just saying, oh, you can't do anything without your phones. You can't go to dinner without your phones. You can't even go to the bathroom without your phone, which I would admit 
I'd probably be in the bathroom a lot less time if I didn't have my phone with me, but that's beyond the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> the yeah, point. but I need to be entertained. That's my whole thing. <laughs> um, Keeps me regular. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> um, you're going to laugh at what the next stereotype is. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um. Oh, God. Okay, so the, the next question is, Social media has turned millennials into a bunch of narcissists constantly seeking validation. How much do you actually care about followers and likes? The answers are a lot or not that much TBH. Can there be a third option? This is a trick like, question. <laughs> this is right? not fair. Like, I feel like there should be a third option for us specifically. Like, um, we would like to not care, but also kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's part of like our like you know part of like having a following on TikTok. Like you kind of have to pay attention to like your ratios and your metrics. Yeah, and honestly, but, like oh, sorry for interrupting. Oh no, you're you're fine. I was I like I started my Instagram literally as just a vessel for people to go and find like my TikTok recipes written out, and I could have I cared zero percent about my Instagram metrics until they got bigger. And now I care. I'm like, oh, this post did bad. And oh, did this one got like no reach? And like, is this annoying? It's just like, it's a weird mind fuck. Um, that I like, I feel like we didn't ask for that. Yeah, without a doubt. It's like, whenever we, I feel like everyone really likes the idea of like having a following on TikTok and like, you know, creating. And I do love creating and I do love creating for, our audiences. But one thing that you don't really know when you kind of sign up for this is one, you're just posting videos kind of, kind of for fun. It's like, Oh, if you have a viral video, cool. But then once you do have that viral video and you start gaining followers and you start gaining a platform and building a community, it's like the maintenance of that community. Like you kind of, take more than just your own thoughts into account because you want to make your audience happy. So it's like, what can I do that my audience is going to like? If I post something that my audience doesn't like, how are they going to respond? It's like, it it really kind of like starts becoming personal, I guess. Yeah, I get that. Um, I feel like we're like outliers in this question. So the results are 86%. Nobody cares. And 14% of people who care. So I guess we're in the minority. (laughs) True. But also, I feel like there's, like, a good part. I would say 14% of people were truly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, even when I wasn't a content creator, I still cared a little bit or a lot of it. Right? Yeah. Like, one compliment I always got was, Miles, your feet is so nice. Like, it's so, like, cultured. And I'm like, well, it's my feet. It's kind of like a little extension of me. So, like, I mean, I would – I'm not going to lie – I had one of those Instagram follower apps like that tracks who like unfollows you even before I like started like creating content on TikTok because I was always like, wait, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Oh my God. Now I'm looking at your feed and it, it is really cute. Oh, thank you. I mean, your feed is just aesthetic, high quality pictures that are better than my eyesight. It's a little so, beige like, right now. It's getting a little beige. We'll get back to color. I'm working on it. <laughs> 
but also it's like it's not summer right now so like all the berries aren't really that in season so like and then we had pumpkin week which is kind of like you know orange i feel like it's probably like fall-esque actually let me pull up your feed i'm sure it's like just I fall did a huge esque. transition from using white borders on my photos, which I was like, I love white space. This is going to make my grid look so good. And then I realized most people are on Instagram on dark mode, which makes it look so bad. So now I'm doing full fledged photos. Big day for me. Oh, yeah. Um, I would pull up your feed, but my phone just died on me. So <laughs> um, I did. We can just go on to the eighth stereotype then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So uh, the eighth stereotype is millennials choose to live with their parents instead of finding a place on their own. I feel Um, like there's not even too much discussion about this because neither of us live at home, right? No. (gasps) But the results, Miles, have you clicked? Wait, what? Oh, wow. That's close. Okay. Millennials aren't voting here. People are trolling. Yeah, 100%. Um, For people listening, it's 51% no, 49%. They'd rather live with their parents. <laughs> oh my goodness. No. I mean, here's the thing. Would I like to not have to pay rent? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. But I, sorry, I'm, I'm not moving back in. Even during the pandemic, like a lot of my friends moved home. No judgment. Like I understand that everyone's in different situations where it might just be more beneficial for you to move home. But I kept my apartment. I renewed my lease. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> Yeah. No, I get you. I feel that. And I, I judged a little when like people who didn't have to move home moved home just because they were scared of being in a big city. Um, I Because I was like, that might hurt the economy. But I, then I realized like situation, it's just, it's all a situational for that specific person. But like voluntarily, hell no. Exactly. I agree. Ooh, number nine is juicy. Um, stereotype is that millennials were raised in a world of participation trophies and expect rewards for every little thing they do. Um, the question is, were participation trophies a big part of your childhood? They were for me. (laughs) What about you? They were for me. Do you want to, um, shed a little bit of light on why they were? Um, I just remember like playing soccer and like, you'd always get a medal at the end of every season, which did not change or shape my expectations. I feel like for validation, like I obviously know that nothing is given. Everything is earned, but it was nice, you know, to have elementary school where there was like no competition, you know, up until sixth grade and then everything got savage. Fair enough. I mean, looking back, like, yes, did it inflate your ego a little bit seeing that even though you lost, you saw the trophy, but like also like as I got older, I was just like, I don't want people to get consolation prizes. Like if I beat them, I want them to know that they lost. I think that's the Slytherin <laughs> of me coming out a little bit. Like I was gonna say, savage, but I like it. I support it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not like I was like a full grown adult, like playing kids or anything. It's just like people my age, but it's just like even now, it's like if I beat you at something, like <laughs> for, honestly, this is a little sadistic. Um, but I'm gonna share this. So I was playing Monopoly with some of my neighbors, like earlier in the year and um i am really good at monopoly even though monopoly is a game of partial strategy partial like luck um the strategy part i have down pat nice and i had like i had park place i had the boardwalk which is like the two like highest rent properties don't worry i I had (laughs) oh yeah i had um 
Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and um, whatever that third one is for the Greens. Oh so God. I have that entire side of the board. I was trying to bargain for the Browns because I knew I couldn't get the Yellows. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, I ended up bankrupting one of my neighbors. And the other one was like, well, you're obviously going to win. And I'm like, I want to see every last dollar go back to the <laughs> bank or in my hand. So I made them play until I officially won. But also the thing about that game is things could take a, ch- a change. Like if you like get like free parking or mm-hmm. if you like end up having to like pay like tolls or taxes or anything like that. So like the game could have taken a change, but I mean, I won. Uh, the most important thing is they want. But no, Monopoly could truly take forever if you want to bankrupt every last person. It's Yeah, and it it was a three-person game, including myself. So it wasn't like it was it was inevitable that it was gonna happen after I bankrupt the first person. And I was like, all it took was for that person to land on one of my properties again and they would have gone bankrupt and they were like, Oh no, it's fine. And I'm like, I want to bankrupt you. I don't know what you wonder. Like, (laughs) I want all your properties to go back to the bank so I can buy them. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're such a Slytherin. Who would have thought? That came out late in the game. But I accept you for who you are, and I'm glad you're honest with yourself and your Hogwarts house. Oh, 100%. And, ooh, this next stereotype is very interesting because I I don't know how you self-identify, but – I'm going to read it out. The stereotype is millennials are lazy AF. And the question is, do you consider yourself lazy? And I want to hear uh, your thoughts. <sighs> okay. I'm doing this thing where I'm being a confident queen. I work so hard. So old me would be like, I don't know, but new me, I feel like I can identify with that. The fact that my Gemini brain gets bored really easily and I always need to be doing something. Um, So if you would have Mm -hmm. asked me like a year ago, I'd probably say like, I work really hard in my career, but outside of it, I just watch Vanderpump Rules all the time. But ever since I picked up like the TikTok side hustle, I feel like it's just go, 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 go. So I'm just going to be a a cocky queen and say that I work pretty hard. I mean, no, you do. Honestly, your videos are, the quality never falters and your content is so consistent. Like I... I'm honestly so envious every time I see like another recipe go up. Cause I'm like, Oh, where do you find the time? Like I, yeah, exactly. I think that's like the big thing. And I, I would also agree that I work pretty hard. Um, I p- give my all at my nine to five or my nine to six. Technically. Um, I feel like I work very hard there. Um, I get really positive feedback about my work too, but also again with the TikTok side hustle and then with the pod as well. There's just like a couple other dimensions to my life. So it's always a lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings. Like my, I love my mornings cause that's my time. And then my nights are like for like TikTok, uh, podcasts, whatever else. So I wake up at like six 45 every morning. Um, so then I have like a couple hours to be a person before I have to kind of throw myself in the into the fire at nine. Oh, yeah, I get that. And I feel like you do have a lot of like irons in the f- fire, if that's the term. I feel like you do have a lot going on. So I, I feel like we both work pretty hard. 100%. So let's see how other millennials or trolls resonate. I know. I'm so curious. Oh my God. It's very close. 
50, so 55% for I work hard for that's interesting. I think it's more interesting that so many people would identify as being pretty lazy. I feel like that also might be like self-deprecating millennial culture sneaking in. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think before I kind of gained the sense of confidence, I was very self-deprecation humor was my (laughs) go-to. It's so easy. It's so easy because then you think like nobody can fault you for it. But then I realized like it's, it's, it makes other people feel uncomfortable. And sometimes, you know, you can only do it so much. Yeah, I 100% agree. And would you like to take us home with our final millennial stereotype? Yes. And I love this one. I feel like BuzzFeed did did us a service. Um, Last one is that millennials don't vote. Miles, how are you voting in this election? I am voting for the only candidate that makes sense. And I meant like, you don't have to say who you're voting for. I meant like early... Okay. I'm voting by mail and I'm voting for the candidate that makes the most sense, which if you know me, you already can figure it out. I think most people could probably figure it out just based upon a couple factors in my life. So um, yeah, it's not really like, like a, like a hiding thing, but um, yeah, I'm voting by mail. Um, Cause in New Jersey, when you register, they automatically send you that mail in ballot. So um I'm dropping it off actually in a couple of days down to like my local town hall so I can make sure it really gets into the right hands. Nice. Yeah. I have the ballot like in my apartment because they do send it to you automatically, but I still think I'm going to vote in person just because I want to be like extra sure. Um, and I don't like, I always vote at 6am. It's like my thing. So I don't see like any COVID risk. And I am also voting Ooh. for the candidate that makes the most sense who chose the running mate that I was originally supporting to be the first female president of the United States. Fair enough. I saw your, um, I saw, I, I see your love post to, I'm obsessed. Uh, to Miss Harris. Um, and that's the reason why I said Miss Harris rather than uh, Kamala, because like it is a stereotype that's perpetuated that like, it almost like lessens the, our, our female candidates by calling them by their first names rather than like their last names, like we would a male. So I just think it's so, yeah, I pointed that out because I think it's really interesting that people will always talk about how it was Trump versus Hillary in 2016, not Trump versus Clinton or Hillary versus Donald. And I just like, I think if you, nobody notices that, but when you actually put it into perspective, it's such an interesting thing. And also during the VP debate, and I don't want to go into politics, this isn't a politics podcast, but um, during the VP debate, uh, the moderator, Susan, even said Kamala and then had to correct herself, which is just like, Mm. she would never be like Mike, you know? So yeah, it's just, I just, I just think it's interesting, but yeah, I'm I'm a stan. I'm a big fan. I agree. I saw a, a funny video. Um, there's this challenge going around on TikTok where it's taking like a, um, a famous person and it's like the city girl song and, um, it's like them dancing to the city girl song. And there was speculation due to this video that, uh, Kamala was on, um, soul train at one point. (laughs) Oh God. I love her. (laughs) I will send you the video uh, via TikTok uh, after this, I yes. promise. Yes. Because uh, I feel like you would enjoy it as well. But um, 
yeah, so the stereotype is millennials don't vote, but and the question was, are you a voter, right? Yeah, and yeah, honestly, so then there was- the results are kind of surprising, and I'm a little frustrated, but it kind of mirrors the country. Yeah, 75% of respondents said that they were a voter. And okay, so I speculated that people were quitting out. The first question had 119,000, and this one has like 97,000. So people <laughs> did quit during this quiz. Yeah. Yeah. People got bored. People got bored of talking about millennials, which is totally fine. Um, okay. I know that you like, you try to keep your podcast tight, but I was wondering, do you want to do like rapid fire on the elite daily one? Like you read one and I'll just say like, yes or no. And then do the opposite. Yeah. I would love to. But before we get into that, I heard that you prepared a little recipe for us. And I would love to talk about that. Oh my God. I already forgot about my avocado toast. Yes. Um, Okay. So I love that your podcast does recipes. So I'm very excited you asked me to participate. And this is a brunch style avocado toast for back for like when people are having gatherings again. And it's Mm -hmm. great because it's, it uses salmon, um, a slaw, and then also avocado to kind of make a full meal that is very aesthetic. And also just like super easy to make. Um, It's inspired by Ina Garten's salmon tacos, but we kind of do an avocado-y spin on it. Love Ina Garten. (laughs) She's a queen. Um, So it's a lot of ingredients, but once you have them, you can like always just keep remaking it. And it's so easy to whip up. You whip up like the avocado mash and then the slaw. And then for you can put your toast in the oven the same time as you're putting your salmon in the oven. So like whenever you have friends over, I hate like, being busy in the kitchen while everyone's having drinks and hanging out. So it's kind of like the perfect, everybody can be like having mimosas and then you just pop it out of the oven and assemble it and like, boom, brunch. So after that whole spiel, um, you need about a pound of salmon in a full slab. You don't need to cut it up when it's raw and chili powder and lime juice for the salmon part. And what you do is you just rub chili powder all over the non-skin side and then sprinkle lime juice on it. And then in an oven at 425 degrees, put in your salmon. Don't cut it up. Just leave it in slab form for about 12 to 15 minutes or until it's a 135 degrees minimum internal temperature. Uh, and you can also toast your toast in the oven at that same time if you don't have a toaster like me. Uh, and while that's going, you're going to want to take green cabbage, fresh dill, diced cucumbers, salt and pepper and white wine vinegar and mix that together into a really nice like acidic slaw and then take an avocado and this is Ina Garten's preference so you know I'm not fucking around avocado salt and pepper and sriracha to your taste preference and mash it up and I know okay when I first was like okay sriracha and avocado I, I now call it Ina's guacamole um, yeah. and you can see her on YouTube being like, I just love the flavor, but I was so skeptical of how it would all come together. But once your salmon is out of the oven, you can kind of just, it'll be so tender that you can like flake it apart. So you'll get all these flakes and then just assemble each toast, which toast avocado slaw, and then flake the salmon on top. And I'm going to get all foodie here, but like the fattiness of the salmon and the spice of the chili pepper mixed with like the acid and cleanness of the dill and the slaw and the vinegar 
mixed with the spiciness and the fattiness of the avocado and the carbiness of the bread. You have to have it all in one bite and it will blow your mind. And it pairs so, so well with almost any like dry cocktail. So that's my recipe. And if anybody tries it, please tag me on Insta because I want to see it. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. Um, Oh my God. And so what was your inspiration behind this besides Anna Garten? Like, do you, like, I, I remember you did toast a lot. So like, um, I, honestly, I just want to talk about Jeff for just a sec. <laughs> yeah, I wanted a showstopper avocado toast that's super easy to make because I feel like I'm a pescatarian, so I have limited options, but I feel like a lot of times avocado toast, people think it's either not a full meal unless it's breakfast or it's like, it can be boring. And I wanted like something that people would be like, they wouldn't think when they first saw it, oh, this is avocado toast. They'd be like, whoa, this is beautiful and delicious. So it's like taking that simple millennial meal and elevating it. And also salmon is millennial pink, which is one of my favorite colors. So that's all the inspiration. (laughs) I love that. And actually, I think that segues perfectly into that elite daily list that we were talking about, because we're talking about things that millennials take to the next level in this article. Um, Just the way like you took that salmon avocado toast to the next level, just raising the bar on that. So I think that actually is the perfect transition into this. Oh, perfect. And also that sounds absolutely delicious. I I know I said that, but I'm salivating over here. I'm I'm probably going to have to make that this weekend. Okay, good. And I'll make it for you sometime if we ever get together in a post-COVID world. Yes, and I'll bring the cocktails, I promise. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm excited. So I, I really like the idea that you had of just kind of firing these off rapid fire. Um, maybe a quick like note about each of the uh, items on this list. And then I'll talk about our cocktail and then we can kind of close out with some thoughts. But yeah, how does that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Do you want to start us off? Yes. So first one on the list is the... So it's things that millennials are known for taking to an entire new level. And the first one is making brunch more than just a meal. Yes, 100%. Like brunch is an event. It's not a meal. (laughs) Brunch is a daytime activity. Like if I do one brunch on the weekend, that's like my weekend activity. Yeah. Brunch is not just a meal. I agree. And especially like in like New York and like surrounding areas boozy brunch, you're out of commission for the rest of the day if you did it right. Yeah. No. Bed by 630 wake up at midnight in cold sweats and like deep dehydration. <laughs> 100%. I remember one time I um went to this brunch place in Greenwich and I made my friends, like my one friend was feeling so bad. Like she looked like she was about to puke, but I was like, before we call our Uber, buy Chloe is right down the street. I need vegan mac and cheese to snack on later. So I made them like kind of wait for me get, to get my mac and cheese. Oh um, my God. <laughs> amazing choice amazing choice their mac and cheese is so good so good right and the shiitake mushroom bacon is just to die for i'm starving i'm drooling so much food talk um Um, oh sorry yeah no you're fine good oh do you want to do the next one yeah sure so the second thing on this list is documenting experiences on social media so that you can relive it forever absolutely um 
Yeah, I, I think it speaks for itself. Um, investing over travel over material items. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. I agree. We both talked about our solo travel to Paris and, you know, traveling in general. I think that's definitely more important to me than, uh, I wouldn't say more important to me than Louis. I'd rather get my Louis in Paris. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Number four, maintaining that work-life balance. Um, I work in a certain industry where for a couple months out of the year, work equals life, and that's the balance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll I'll let you say your thoughts on this one. I mean, I do a solid okay at it. I'm like a good medium. Yeah, I, I would say the same. Like, whenever I'm not in my busy season for work, like, I'm definitely, like, I try to, like, you know, have my fun. I try to bake my cake and eat it, too, or something like that. That's, uh, yeah, I'm not good with phrases. It works. <laughs> um, five is creating fandoms from favorite movies and favorite TV shows. Um, I would say, hell yes, and... Yeah. If you agree, what is your OTP and from what show or movie is it? Um. Oh, my God. I'm blanking. What do you mean by OTP? One true pair. Oh, shit. It, it's, a, it's an old term. It's like a Tumblr 2013 term. Sorry. I, <laughs> no, what does it mean? You please, please edit this out if you can. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving it in. So essentially, it means like your one true pair is like, a set of characters or a set of people that would just be like your perfect pairing in a relationship. Oh, can they be from different so like, series or the same? It Usually it's from the same. Like sometimes it's like a relationship that didn't work out or it's a relationship that did work out and you're just very happy about it. Okay. I have Gilmore girls on the brain. Jess and Rory have to be together. I'm so upset that they aren't. Uh, that's that's an amazing pairing. I love that. Thank you. I would say, for me, <laughs> this is so terrible, but I would say Tina and Mike Chang from Glee. Um, <gasps> oh my god, flashback! I just finished rewatching Glee like a couple weeks ago, and in the final season, Tina ends up marrying Artie. Um, which some people are like, oh, well, that sh- is how it should have been. But Tina and Mike Chang, like Mike Chang really brought out some confidence in Tina. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she also brought out confidence in the him. I feel like they were really good for each other. And I'm just very mad that that didn't work out. Yeah, I honestly, I need to rewatch the series because I feel like I missed up m- missed out on so many like details. And I was such a gleek for so long. So I feel like I have to do the full series justice. 100%. I started it like maybe like last month and I finished a couple weeks ago. It's honestly an easy series to binge. Um, you blink and then you're at like the quarterback episode or you're like in the last season and it's just like you're you're always blinking. And it's like, oh my gosh, wait, I kind of remember this, but I didn't catch that. So 100%. So I would say that's kind of like my fandom that I'm a part of. Um. Six is feeling nostalgic and throwing it back whenever possible. Absolutely. Hell yeah. yeah. Easy. Seven, uh, saying everything you need to say with solely gifts and emojis. Okay. I've started being more of an emoji person and I don't know if I like that about myself. I used to not be an emoji girl. 
I'm so direct. If I have to say something, I say it in words. Like half the time, like if I'm busy, I voice dictate my texts and I'm like, sorry for any spellings. I, I spoke it out, but yeah, I use way too many words at times where my texts are like paragraphs long and it's like literally not anything like a lot of people see paragraphs and they're like, Oh my God, am I in trouble? And I'm like, no, I'm just listing out of things, a list of things I need from you. Or I'm asking you multiple questions because these all came to my head. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I also like have, how do you feel about voice memos? I'm kind of a voice memo person and people hate it. So I would love to be, um, but for like the majority of my day, I have like a calendar where I kind of like, I use Google calendar for work. So like I have like all my meetings, but then on the side on the task bars, you can have like notes and like to-do lists. So like, I just kind of write everything down. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I like. Or, the you, or were you alluding to like sending voice memos? I meant sending voice memos. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I went off topic. Um, also, I actually, I've actually learned to appreciate them because sometimes it's nice to just hear someone's voice. Um, so I'm definitely like a middle person, but I think I still do text more frequently. Yeah. I feel like it's like a phone call that you can listen to at your convenience, but texts are just easier because like you can like see it and like do it in a meeting. Whereas like voice memos, you can't really. Yeah, I agree. Okay, number eight will make you laugh. Appreciating food for not only the taste, but the aesthetically pleasing presentation. (sighs) Another question that shouldn't apply to us. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. But like, yes, food, you eat with your eyes. Come on, come on. Yeah, 100%. Like, and I'm sorry to all my friends whose food has gotten cold while they wait for me to take a picture of it. But I'm also not sorry. Like, if it looked really pretty, I'm taking a picture of it. Like, Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. I am done shame adding people for taking pictures of their like brunch table there. That's like part of the experience now. It is. And like also like kind of rolling back to like number two, where it's like we take pictures of things to relive it. It's like if I take a really good picture, like I can send it to someone who wasn't there or who missed it or just someone who I care about, like my parents or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Ooh, number nine, making fitness fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I'm a boring body. gym girl though. I've kind of been doing the same thing since 2016, but I really like it. But I do want to start trying more classes. I love classes. Um like with a burning passion because I think it, it it's more of an accountability thing. Like, yes, I love having fun, but also if I sign up for a class, I'm like, oh, people will know if I'm not there. Cause I used to dance at this one studio down in like um Lower East Side area, like over near, like, I, I wouldn't say Lower East Side. I'd say maybe like, I forgot what the neighborhood is called. Like kind of like 21st and Lex is where the studio was. Mm-hmm. So like over by Baruch. Um, and all of the people who went to this studio that I danced at, they would always notice if I was missing. So Aww. it just kind of incentivized me to like keep going and to have fun and all that. I like that. Um, yeah, they're like, uh, all these like fun classes in my area, but I just haven't had time to check them out, but they're like outside now. So I think I might do it. Do it. And make sure you Instagram it, especially if you have, um, the little like New York city skyline in the background. (gasps) Yeah. That'd be really cute. I like that. Um, okay. We made it to the last one. 
redefining hashtag career goals. Yeah, we, (laughs) I feel like these lists have a little bit of overlap, you know, Mm -hmm, for sure. And I also feel like you're doing a great job of this because you like have your career, but you're also like diversifying, you know? Thank you. Thank you very much. And I mean, same to you, like, we both create content and some of us do it better and more frequently (laughs) you um versus than other creators so it's like one of those things that um yeah like i mean we're both kind of you know adding a new kind of facet to our life and we never really know what doors it's going to open and what companies might reach out or what things we might be able to do because of it so yeah i mean you're doing the same and like brava Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, I feel like we have the ability in this generation to redefine and make our own career goals. So I feel like this is a pretty accurate one. This was a good list. I agree. And even though it's not super related to either of these lists, um, maybe the Instagrammable one in appreciating the food, I do want to share our cocktail for the day. Um, and for the episode. So Today, we're keeping it simple. We want to keep it pretty, but also really simple. And I think either yesterday or today was National Gin and Tonic Day. And that's kind of what inspired me for this cocktail. We're going to use some Empress Gin because it's super pretty and purple and delicious. And a gin that you will always find in my bar. Um, Because, like I said, I just love that gin. Um, If you have another butterfly pea um infused gin that you can use use it but i am my my heart my body and my soul belongs to empress um as it should so i am gonna tell you what you're gonna need so you're gonna need fever tree lemon tonic water it's really good it just has kind of like a lemony like boost to it i feel like the lemon kind of boosts the bubbles Um, and it's just really delicious. And also like visually, you're going to need a dried orange wheel. You can dry it yourself or you can buy it at like Trader Joe's. Like they have dried everything at Trader Joe's. Stay on Trader Joe's for clear skin. Um, regardless, you're also going to need Empress Gin. Like I said, you're going to need two ounces of it. We're making it strong because we're making it at home. Um, no judgment here. Um, we love drinking on this pod, so... (laughs) you're also gonna need that you're gonna need some ice a cute glass um i mean whatever glass you have on hand is cute but it's ideal if it's like clear and you can see it because we're using this really pretty gin and then also when you add in the tonic water it's actually going to change the color of it and it's kind of like a little showstopper definitely instant worthy moment and that's really it we're also going to add a little bit of saint germain because if anyone knows me, I love St. Germain and yeah, you just got to have it for the vibes. And then also the elderflower lifts the bubbles again. Like I said, we're all kind of about keeping this light, bubbly, fun. Uh, so I kind of told you all the ingredients that goes into it. Let me tell you the measurements and how to make it. So in a glass, you're going to get some ice going, add glass, ice to your glass to fill it all the way up. Then you're going to start with two ounces of Empress Gin. Then you're going to follow that up with a half ounce of elderflower tonic or elderflower liqueur. So St. Germain um, is preferred, but you can use whatever you have on hand. I'm not judging you out loud. So, you know, go on, do your thing. Then you're going to follow that up with 
your lemon tonic water. You're just pretty much going to fill it to the top, about four ounces. Ideally, you're using a probably like 10 to 12 ounce glass. So including the ice that would kind of get you to where you need to be. You're going to just throw a dried orange wheel in. You're going to give it a little stir and then you're going to drink it. And like I said, I wanted to keep this cocktail nice, simple, and pretty um, because I feel like we are nice, simple, pretty broads on this pod today. So something just like Instagrammable, something kind of cute, something quick as well. Um, I think that'll pair well with the um, avocado salmon toast that we made earlier. Would you agree, Justine? Do you feel like that could go well together? Yeah, and I think it would be the most aesthetic table of all time because I feel like this cocktail is going to be gorgeous. I mean, I feel like your toast is going to be gorgeous. So, like, we have so two kind of gorgeous. Yeah, two peas in the pod, match made in heaven. Just it was the appetizer and cocktail that was made to be the perfect pairing. Um, oh which actually, I'm pretty sure that's one of the potential names for this pod, but I like make it cute. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, we kind of talked through some millennial aesthetics and some millennial stereotypes. We kind of, you know, this episode was a little bit different because we really just kind of wanted to leave it organic and just kind of like, you know, have you part of our conversation and kind of like have things that you can resonate with, things that you can take away, things that you may have the same opinion on or maybe a different opinion on or just kind of gauging like where the landscape comes from with a millennial gen z cusper and a true millennial um we were able to kind of like add in our thoughts and our feelings and justine is there anything that you kind of want to tell our listeners before we wrap this up um nothing specifically but i do want to say if you want to reach out or connect or dm me you can find me on tiktok at justine underscore snacks and also on instagram at justine underscore snacks and on twitter same username but i've only tweeted three times so maybe not there (laughs) amazing yes and honestly like i said i have been such a huge fan of Justine for so long. I think we connected maybe back in May. So here we are five months later, still like going strong. Our, our, our TikTok romance has just bloomed. And I just like, it, it's so weird. Cause I've never met her in person, but I feel like I've known her for so long. So um, I'm just very thankful for the friendship that TikTok has been able to bring us. Oh, likewise. But as Justine mentioned, you can find her on all socials at Justine underscore snacks. Um, as you know, you can find me at Mileski, M-I-L-E-S-K-E-E, or Mileski2 on TikTok, or follow us on Make It Cute Pod on Instagram. Um, we tend to post teasers of each week's episode and all that jazz. Um, and I'm just so thankful for you, Justine, for being able to join us and hang out with us and give us your insights and share some amazing uh, food recipes with us. Well, thank you for having me. This was really, really fun. I'm so glad. Well, we are going to sign off. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to tune into next week's episode of make it cute. Bye. You had a good time. If so, then please subscribe and leave a review. Cause this podcast is new. We drink, we eat, we laugh out loud. My name is Miles. 
that's all for now. Talmur, Sheshin Mughachi. Talmur is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.